0: Take your copy of God's Word this morning, if you would, and go to the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, the 11th chapter. I understand that little Logan and his family were having Thanksgiving dinner at Grandma's house, and everyone seated around the table as the food was being served, and when little Logan received his plate, he just started eating right away, and his mother reminded him, Logan, wait until we say our prayer. Little Logan replied, I don't need to. And his mother, incredulous, said, of course you do. We say a prayer before eating in our house. And Logan said, well, that's at our house, but this is Grandma's house and she knows how to cook. (laughs) We're a little like Logan at times, you know. We forget that we always need to pray, uh, not just at Grandma's house or our house, but at all times. We know that prayer is important. Jesus taught about it. He modeled it. He lived it. He commanded it, and Jesus' disciple came and asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. So I want to talk to you about that today here from the Gospel of Luke. I hope you found it by now, and you'll follow along in your copy of God's Word. Verse number 1 says, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, that when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples." You know, just stop for a moment. What do you think it was like to hear Jesus pray? Can you imagine being in the presence of Jesus Christ and listening to Him talk to the Father? Here we have, He's going to give what we call the Lord's Prayer, and we see in it what we might call a pattern of prayer. You're going to recognize it if you've been around church any amount of time. Pick up at verse number 2. So He said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now I want you to notice, don't close up yet, we're not done, but did you notice already that Jesus takes for granted that they were going to pray? He says there in the scripture, when you pray, not if you pray or if you decide to pray, but when you pray, a child of God is going to pray. At some point, you're going to lift your voice to the Lord. And then here he sets down this pattern of prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer. And this is not just a bunch of words that we're supposed to mindlessly mutter like some mantra or spell. Uh, There's nothing wrong with using the words verbatim. You can do that. But I believe the purpose of the Lord's Prayer, the reason that He gave it to us and gave it to them, is it's it's a pattern to follow. In other words, when you're praying, these are the sort of things I want you to pray about. This is the spirit you're to have when you pray. These are the proper motives in prayer. Here's what you need to focus on in your praying. And we're not going to study this in depth, but basically He's telling them two things. He's telling them to pray for God's glory in verse number 2. Did you notice that? Uh, Hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is uh, in heaven. And so he's praying for God's glory. And then in verses 3 and 4, he tells them to pray for their good. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Pray for God's glory and pray for your good. And by the way, that's God's concern for all of us today. He's concerned about His glory and your good. Now that's a pattern of prayer that He lays down. And after He lays down this pattern of prayer, He goes and tells a parable. And it's a story that takes place at night. And And, and you may know if you've been with us at any amount of time, we're in a series right now called Notable Nights in the Bible. We've taken some time to look at events that took place at, in the evening, at nighttime in the Bible. We're going to do one more next Sunday, then we're going to jump into our Christmas series after that. But it's interesting, this parable, it fits right in with our notable nights because it takes place at night. And we come to Luke chapter 11, verse number 5. And this may be familiar to you. But it says, And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, Lend me three loaves, that is, three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though, he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence. His persistence. The old King James, I think, has an importunity. He will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Now, be careful here. Don't read our culture into their culture. Don't read our culture into their culture. You look at this and say, what a strange story. You've got some guests arriving at your house at midnight and you go to the neighbor's house and beg for bread. We'll talk about what that all means and what that meant in their culture in a moment. But this story is pretty straightforward, right? You have some friends in this passage. One traveling friend arrives at a house house of his friend at midnight and the friend who owns the house goes to his neighbor friend to get something to eat for the friend who's come to visit him. Maybe this will help. Bob arrives at Bill's house at midnight, and Bill has no food. So Bill goes to his neighbor Joe's house to borrow some bread. That's what's taking place here. Got the picture? Now, remember, in that culture, there are no 24-hour grocery stores. Of course, we understand that because we have a hard time around here too, right? But there's no freezer in the basement. Uh, There's no food. They don't have food. So how does the neighbor respond? Hey! Hey! i got some guests. Can you give me some bread? How does he respond? Inside the house. He says, what? Go away. (laughs) We can understand that, can't we? Most of you all would have shot Bill thinking he was a burglar. (laughs) But remember, this is their culture, not ours. I understand Warren Wearsby helps us. In a Middle Eastern village, hospitality is a very important thing. When a guest arrives, the whole village is involved with entertaining him. For the village not to entertain him would be a terrible breach of etiquette, And for the guest to refuse the hospitality would be a greater sin. Whether the visitor is hungry or not, he offered food and must eat. You've been to some folks' house like that, haven't you? You go to their house, and whether you're hungry or not, you're going to eat. They're going to get the food out. Well, that's what happens here. He said when Jesus described the sleeping neighbor as he did, his listeners would have been horrified for no member of the village would ever refuse to help a guest. This is out of character, out of culture. They would have been horrified at this story. Remember, don't read our culture into theirs. In their culture, this was a big deal. Now, some things to notice here in this story. Did you notice there's a desperation on the part of the host here? I have no food. I have nothing to give my guest. We're calling today's message a night of desperation. He's desperate. He needs food to give to his guests. But this desperation gave way to intercession. He goes and asks on behalf of another. And then we come to the main point of the parable. The main point of the parable. Remember, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And the main point of the parable is persistence in prayer. Verse number 8. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence... He will rise and give him as many as he needs. The man knocked enough. He kept asking. He kept seeking that bread. And his neighbor finally gave it to him. An earthly story. Teaching a heavenly truth. And here it is, verse 9. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. The Greek... The original language is actually stronger. The Holman Christian captures it. So I said to you, keep asking, and it will be given you. Keep searching, and you will find. Keep knocking, and the door will be opened to you. It's not the idea of doing it once. It's constant. It's over and over and over. Don't miss this. Jesus is talking about prayer. He just sought out a pattern of prayer, and now he's reminded them to be persistent in their praying. And he uses the story about this neighbor who won't help until he's badgered enough. If you badger him enough, he'll help you. Now listen, he's not setting up a comparison between God and the stubborn neighbor. He's actually setting up a contrast. God the Father is nothing like this neighbor who will not give to those in need. And this will become crystal clear in a moment. But let's consider this whole idea of persistence in prayer to keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. In the King James, you see the word importunity. It's not a word we use very often today unless you're reading your Bible. I doubt maybe you've ever used that word in regular conversation. But it's the idea of continually asking, of persistence. And it's also a, a boldness about this persistence. Some would even say a shamelessness about it. He's willing to get his neighbor out of bed at midnight. Now, I don't know about you, but it takes something drastic for me to wake somebody up at midnight. I remember years ago when it was time for Graham to come. He decides to come in the middle of the night. And, and so thankfully, Lynn, who started our service today, they, she graciously came and watched her boys. And I remember calling. And at what time was that? Middle of the night, I don't know, 2 o'clock in the morning. And bless his heart, Guy answers the phone. Guy's speaking. And I thought, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. You're too nice of this. But they were, that's the way he was. So gracious. And, and she came. But it was something drastic. We had no choice. So, so you see the desperation here. At midnight, calling out. There's a shamelessness about persistence. But why do we need persistence in prayer? Be honest. Have you ever prayed about something? Maybe you are now. And it seems that God is not listening. Maybe you prayed about it for a week, maybe a couple of months. Maybe there's something you prayed about for years. And, and it doesn't seem that God has said no. It just seems he hasn't said anything. And you keep praying and praying and praying. Why do we need to keep on asking and seeking and knocking? Why doesn't God just answer right away? And by the way, we love it when he does that. We love it when He answers right away. I hope you've had those times in your life. You pray, and wow, God answers that prayer immediately. But sometimes, He doesn't. Let me give you three reasons why we need to persevere in prayer. and Three reasons why God may not be answering the prayer right away the way you think that He should. I've given these to you before, but they're worth repeating. They're worth remembering. Number one, we've got to remember, as we think about this persistence in prayer, Uh, it may be that uh, the request may not be right. The request may not be right. Sometimes we pray about something, we ask God for something, but we don't get our answer because the request is not right. It's not something that is in line with the will of God. It may even be something that proves harmful to us. And so our loving Heavenly Father, He will not grant to us that which would harm us, that which would hurt us, and that which would take away from our good and His glory. And so if you're praying about something and you see no results, You might need to stop and consider, is the request a proper request? Remember James says in his book, chapter 4, verse 3, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss. In fact, it would be wise to stop and pray about the request itself. Father, is this a proper request in the first place? And, and then keep praying about that question until you get the answer to that question. If you are settled in your heart that the request is right, it is a proper request, then keep on praying. If it isn't a proper request, then change the request. Sometimes we ask them this. Our, our motives are not right. The request may not be right. Sometimes the timing may not be right. You ever come to find out this truth that we're in a hurry but God isn't? We're in a hurry but God isn't. Our loving Heavenly Father sees everything all at once. It's all open for your Your whole life He sees all at once. But we live just one moment at a time, one piece at a time. And we don't know all the intricacies involved. And we get impatient. We forget that He has our good and His glory in mind. And the timing must be right. So sometimes the request is right. It's a good prayer. But the timing's just not right. And so Jesus says, keep on asking. Keep on seeking Keep on knocking, believing and knowing that he's in complete control of the circumstance and the situation. But he wants us to keep asking. Sometimes the request may not be right. Sometimes the timing may not be right. And sometimes, you ready for this, you may not be right. What do I mean? Well, there might be some sin in your life, might be some sin in my life that hinders our prayers, we might have wrong motives in asking. James chapter four verse three. I gave you part of that verse. Listen to the rest of it. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Sometimes our prayer requests, let's be honest, that they're selfish. They're self-centered. They're not really for our good and God's glory. Quite frankly, sometimes the Lord is simply growing us in our faith. He he uses waiting times to stretch us and to equip us and to strengthen us. He uses waiting times to make us depend upon Him more. And these times of perseverance in prayer can help us to examine our lives and and confess any known sin and, and draw even closer to Him. It can give us time to weigh out our motives and see, are my motives right? Why am I really asking for this? Why am I really praying for this? In summary, as we keep praying, it can help to strengthen our request, trust God for his perfect timing, and purify our own motives. And it it builds our faith and our dependence upon God. So let's keep at it. We've seen a pattern of prayer. We've seen persistence in prayer where Jesus isn't through. Uh, Notice verses 11 and 12. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Can you imagine that? Here's a rock. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? No one want to be at that dinner table. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Of course, the obvious answers here are absolutely not. Remember I said earlier that Jesus was setting up a contrast, not a comparison between the stubborn neighbor and God, and we see it here. But we move from the picture of a neighbor to now a son. None of us would treat our children that way. They came and said, listen, I'm hungry. Can you give me some bread? Well, here's a stone. Well, well, really, what I'd like to have is some fish. Well, here's a snake. Well, really, what I'd like to have is some eggs. Well, here's a scorpion. It's ridiculous. None of us would treat our children that way. And here's the point. Think about you being a son or daughter of God and your heavenly Father who's perfect. We being imperfect, we wouldn't treat our children like that. He's perfect. He would never treat His children this way. So we watch for the lesson. Look at verse 13. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? He wants us to pray, to keep on praying, to keep on trusting Him. And then thirdly, we've got to hurry. This next part deals... With the person we're to focus on in prayer. And by the way, that person is not you and it's not me. We should focus on our loving Heavenly Father. Do you find it interesting this passage begins and ends with the Father? We begin with our Father in heaven in verse 2, and we end, it says in verse 13, with your Heavenly Father. I like what John Buchma wrote. He said, Real prayer always begins with God, it establishes the kind of God to whom we pray. Prayer reminds us that He is in charge. It's concerned with His interest before our own. It treats Him as holy, sovereign, and the one whose purpose is best. Real prayer places God where He belongs and reminds us of our position before Him, before it asks a thing. Real prayer adores, worships the Father. It purposes to honor Him. Our focus when we go to prayer is on God. Because remember, When you're waiting upon the Lord, and you say, well, I'm waiting for the Lord to meet this need. I'm waiting for this person to get saved. I'm waiting for God to send me a spouse, or whatever it might be. Remember what you're really waiting on. It's a who you're waiting on. You're waiting on God. You're waiting on God to act on your behalf. Psalm 37, 4. Delight thyself also, the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. It's interesting because He says the Father, the Heavenly Father will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. We know the Bible teaches that today, in our day and age, every believer has the Holy Spirit living inside them. If you're a child of God, you've got the Holy Spirit indwelling you. In fact, the Bible says if you don't have Him, you're not a child of God. 1 Corinthians twelve thirteen, Romans 8, 9, Ephesians 1, 13, and 14, the Holy Spirit lives inside all of us, but we need His working in our lives every single day. And many times, if we're honest, what we need more than physical stuff or physical needs, is we need God. We need God to do a work in our lives. Ephesians 1.17 says it this way, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. Ephesians 3.16, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. If truth be known, there are times we don't really know what we really need, but God does. And and if you'll notice, here, beloved, what you have here is God the Son teaching us to pray to God the Father to receive God the Holy Spirit's direction and guidance and strength and wisdom in our lives. And by the way, if we're going to keep on asking and keep on seeking and keep on knocking, we're going to, in our own flesh, grow very tired of doing that. So we need God the Holy Spirit to work in us to inspire us and help us and strengthen us to keep on asking, keep on speaking, and keep on knocking, and waiting and trusting Him to meet His good purposes in our lives. Now I want to give you some points to ponder as we close out this morning. And I want you to think about these questions. And we talk primarily to believers today. If you don't know Christ, then the prayer you need to offer is the sinner's prayer. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I would encourage you to do that. But I'm talking to Christians today. I want to ask you just four things here. First of all, points to ponder. Do you pray? Do you pray? I hope that everybody would say yes. Most people, if they're honest, say, well, I don't pray enough or I need to pray more. But that's not what I'm asking. Just do you pray? Well, if you pray then, is your focus when you pray on you or is it on your loving Heavenly Father? See, He's the one we're to focus on. He's the one we're talking to. He's the one who has the great... Um, needs that we have in our life. He's the one that can meet our greatest need. We're to focus upon the Father. We're to look to the Father. Thirdly, let me ask you this, is your focus on what you really need or just what you want? (laughs) Sometimes I believe the Lord doesn't answer our prayers the way that we want Him to because we are not asking exactly right. We might be in the ball field, but we haven't nailed it down to say, here's what I really need, Lord. Not just what I want. A lot of times we get very selfish in our praying. We, We kind of treat God like we do Santa Claus. We make our Christmas list and then we take it and say, here it is. But God is interested in developing us and maturing us as believers. And then number four, will you practice persistence in prayer with the help of the Holy Spirit? Because remember, Jesus, the lesson here is this. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. And I believe I'm probably talking to somebody today, and if all was revealed and you were honest about it, there's something that you've been praying about for a long time. Well, can you run it through this filter? Is the request right? Is the timing, does that seem to be right? Are you right? And sometimes all those things can be just right, but, but God may even stretch us because remember, He is sovereign and He is perfect and He knows the end from the beginning. And sometimes He just wants us in an extra special way to depend upon Him, to trust Him. And can I just say this? To surrender to Him. Don't we see that in the life of our Lord Jesus? There He is in the Garden of Gethsemane. What did He say? Nevertheless, not my will but thy will be done. If we can get to that point in our prayer life, I really believe it will change us forever. For we really come to the Father, and we ask and we seek and we knock, and we trust Him. But we end it by saying, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. Would you bow with me in prayer?